Hello, and welcome to Dice Don't Die, a Pathfinder 2nd Edition podcast. Hello, and welcome back to Dice Don't Die's Deep Dive. Tonight, we're talking about the Lost Omens Ancestry Guide. So, grab your current character sheets and some erasers, and let's talk about some ancestries. I'm Chad, and tonight, I'm talking with Beth. Hello! And David. Hey, everyone. But before you go and get to erasing your current character's ancestry, let's talk a little bit about rarity. Yeah, I feel as the GM, I need to just kind of mention that everything we're talking about today is at minimum uncommon. And when I realized that I needed to say that, I was like, we've actually never talked about that before. So what does uncommon actually mean? And since, you know, this is called the deep dive, I thought, eh, we should probably talk about it. So there are four rarities, right? And no, I'm not talking about My Little Pony. I really actually thought at first that was where you were going to go with it. Uh, I thought you guys would appreciate that joke. So first is common. Common is the, you would consider default. If no other rarity is listed, it's common. And that just means it's everywhere. It's something that people of the world know. Now, typically when we say that, we're talking about the inner sea region. We're talking about, um, in Galarian, the inner sea part. In other parts of Galarian, that's going to change a little bit. But for now, just assume this is what we're talking about. For the adventures um, that are published by Paizo, most of them focus in the inner sea region. This can apply to abilities, items, spells, and of course, ancestries. The next sort of step, as uh, you would say, would be uncommon. Uh, and just, you know, like the. Uh, Underdark, it's kind of the opposite of common, right? Uncommon means that it's around, people have seen it, but might cost you more, or might be harder to get your hands on, because it's not common. So you you see these folks about... these ancestries we're going to be talking today, but the majority of your population are not usually these ancestries. Or you just ask a GM real nicely. Yeah. Uh, Uncommon, I would say most GMs are probably going to be okay with, but if you play, say, Pathfinder Society, um, I would default to no. So, just a quick heads up on that. 
So next up is rare. So this indicates some sort of item, trait, background that is rare. <laughs> I hate describing a word with the word, but in this case, it, it, it kind of is perfect. It is not to be found in every store. In fact, you may go to every store in a city and not find the item that you're looking for. These are uh, heritages that exist, obviously. Uh, they're out there, but one in a million. Then you have the final rarity, the most rare of rare, in some ways. Unique. Unique items and NPCs and stuff like that. There, there's only one. It's literally only one. So, you know, when you have something labeled as a unique item, there is no item like it. Now, I would say that there's only one Beth, right? Mm -hmm. There's only one of me. But in term and for your PCs, right? There's only one of your PCs. So, technically, you would have the unique tag. Oh. <laughs> but if you think about it, uh, you know, I'm a level 34 human. I am not the only level. Yeah. Oh, OP. yeah. OP. I'm not the only level 4 human female out there. So, you know. I, I would not have the unique tag. Uh, usually in Pathfinder terms, it means that there is something only that item can do. Uh, or person. Or monster. So, yeah. Yeah, I searched through the whole Ancestry Guide, and I don't see anything with the unique tag. Uh, there are no Ancestries at this point with unique. Right. Or should right. there be? As that so, would be... I don't know if that would be classified as an ancestry at that point. There's only one. More just a... Hey, it's Greg. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I like that a lot. It's Greg. Only in this <laughs> in, in this universe, Greg is the Terrasquee. So there are some NPCs that have the unique tag. Um, I think they're all of the blog characters that came out. So, uh, and that was done as a promotion for the Ancestry Guide. So that would be the closest that you get are these pre-made characters. I think the blog post was called No Prep Characters, meant to help GMs out and stuff. So yeah. That is your uh, rarity traits. And most of what we're going to be talking about today is uncommon, but some of it is rare. So since we have so much to talk about, why don't we jump right into it, I guess? All right, let's do it. So I'm not going to just to lay a couple of ground rules. I'm not going to talk about literally everything in this book. 
you don't have time for that. If you want to know literally everything in this book, go read it. You mean we're not just going to read word for word the entire book? Look. I thought this was going to be an audiobook podcast. (laughs) I have been let down. Really? Misled. Deceived. Fine. Oh my gosh. Well, I, I I think if we tried, we'd let down both communities because one, the podcast people wouldn't want to sit and listen to three for three hours. <laughs> but then the audiobook community would be like, why are these guys going off script the whole time? <laughs> yeah. We we so really uh that. let our audiences down in that case. <laughs> <laughs> All right, anyway. So I've pulled, I'll mention uh, every ancestry that's in this book, but I'm not going to go into details. It may just be a, hey, this is also in there. So just be aware of that. Um, I do mostly talk about level one feats. And honestly, trust me, there's some really cool higher level feats. But level one feats, feats are going to be the most common the most everybody's going to take so i wanted to mostly focus on those uh and then you're gonna hear us say it about 50 times but i wanted to just start off the bat and say my goodness gracious the cover art (laughs) just the art in this book i love it so much good so on page Let's see here. What is it? Four and five. It is a spread. uh, A a dual page spread that is just wonderful. It is a bunch of these ancestries playing cards together. (laughs) Yes. And it is just so perfect and so interesting. And, like, yeah, I just, the art for this game is amazing. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah, very beautiful. And then, finally, I kind of wanted to talk about the layout of this book a bit. Um, Normally, I don't delve too much into this, that, because, um, I don't know, it's a nerd thing. Wait, wait. You're a nerd? Haha. <laughs> <laughs> Rude. Uh, so, at first, I was really confused why this was under the Lost Omens group of books. And as I kind of went through the book and kept reading and kept reading, it definitely started to make sense to me. There is a lot of lore in this book. There's a lot of setting-specific information, which is what the Lost Omens campaign books are all about, right? They're all about deepening this world. And I highly recommend that if you like the Galarian setting, to pick up uh, this book. You, I, you learn a lot about the world by reading these entries. Now, there's a lot of rules, too, um, but it's worth it. And uh, very, very rich, interesting storytelling in my uh, And then finally, 
this book does something honestly really kind of interesting uh pretty awesome in my opinion is uh in the text of the ancestry it will talk about different ethnicities uh different groups uh within the ancestry and these are specific from heritages this is, this is different uh but just kind of give us some background some story details things like that and then at the end it will actually recommend a heritage that kind of fits with that uh group or ethnicity and that was really interesting highly recommend if you know you want to learn about Galeria, some of the best way to, ways to do it is to read about the people that live on her surface. So, yeah. Very cool. But that's all kind of the general stuff that I wanted to get out of the way. Let's dig into the ancestries that have been expanded upon. So these are ancestries that are have appeared in other books. Uh, but now have additional either heritages or feet or and feats, artwork, that kind of thing. So first up, I'm actually gonna lump a bunch of these together. Cause they were kind of handled the same way. And I hate doing it because two of them are some of my favorites, but we got a lot to talk about. Which yeah, two? As- <laughs> oh, I'll tell you, trust me. <laughs> I mean, you know me. I'll tell you okay. what my favorite stuff is. Um, so we have Asmar, Changeling, Dampier, Duskwalker, and Tiefling. All of these are versatile heritages. So that means you take a, a base ancestry and then you put this uh, heritage with it so that you can be a Asmar dwarf or an Azamar elf, or a tiefling gnome. The feats that they've provided in this allow you to pick what kind of Azamar you are, so, which I just find so cool. So not only can you be an Azamar dwarf, you can now be a Emberkin Azamar dwarf. Or if we're that talking just sounds about, cool. Sorry. <laughs> right? <laughs> no, it totally does. Uh, you know, when they first released the versatile heritages, like um, when I first heard about them, I was like a little worried that we wouldn't have these things. Um, so the fact that we do, it's it's really great. So the changelings, you get to be a moon may. A snow may, a veil may, or a Virga may. And so those are the types of hags that were your mom. <laughs> uh, which is super cool. So yeah, uh, so I wanted to lump all of those together. And it, you do have to pick those feats at first level, by the way. Um, so you can't, like, become a moon may. Like, later in life like mm-hmm. that's what you're born so yeah that is the azamar changeling dampier duskwalker and tiefling 
So that brings us into what I actually would call our first uh, new ancestry. But it's actually not really. So we have the, and I'm going to butcher the pronunciation of this, Azarketi. Azarketi is how I've been pronouncing it. About as good as I can get. <laughs> the Azarkets have, uh, were essentially Aslantians that when Earthfall happened, this is getting into a lot of lore that we have not <laughs> covered on this podcast. <laughs> but anyway, an ancient group of people, when disaster struck, uh, these people survived, but then were um, warped and mutated by some outer plane creatures. So now they're essentially fish humans. Fish people. <laughs> A long way around to say they're kind of mer people. Ah. But they originally appeared in an online resource and then the Absalom City book. So uh this is the first time that we've actually seen them uh not in those two resources. So in a Lost Omens book. And this is the first time we've seen uh, new art for them. So that's really cool. Their whole entire backstory is amazing. However, I think when you have an aquatic race, it's hard to fit them into a campaign. So just be aware of that. I mean, do you have to keep bodies of water nearby any location the party sleeps so that they can go swim around for a long time? I I mean, it's just like, why, if if you are fit to be in the water, why wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. But anyway. Call of adventure. Well, and, and you have to remember their ancestry originated on land. You know, millions and millions of years ago, some fish flopped on land, and now we're doing a podcast, so. You know, Here we are. that's that's that probably fish made a fair. terrible choice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's true. <laughs> so, next up, did I miss anything with the? No, they're so cool. <laughs> uh, next up is the cat folk, which hey. I love the cat folk. Which uh, I also forgot to mention my two favorite from the versatile heritages that have been expanded upon are Asmar and Tiefling. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I meant yeah, to go back I, and ask you. Oh, I, I had forgotten. But no, now we're talking about the catfolk. Uh, catfolk are great. Um, who doesn't want to be a cat boy? I want to be a cat boy. I know you do. That's why I said, who Outside doesn't want to be? of Pathfinder. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Obvious. No, I mean, it's just so great. Uh, I really like that they're leaning into the luck aspect of the cat folk. Uh, I think that's really great. I really liked the sharp-eared cat folk, uh, where you get to uh, a plus two circumstance bonus to hear undetected creatures, which is kind of meh, but 
the descriptor on it is you were born with big and expressive ears that move with your <laughs> moods and perk up at unexpected sounds. And it's just, I love the idea of somebody role playing their ear movements. <laughs> just, just they have their hands up to their head and they just whoop. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I yeah. I absolutely love it. <laughs> uh, I do also like the new first level feat, which is catnap. Mm-hmm. Once per hour, you can sleep for 10 minutes and gain some temporary hit points. Uh, and that only gets better. So at fifth level, you can take a focused cat nap. <laughs> <laughs> they found a spot of sun. Oh my exactly. God. They're going to be there for like an hour or so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hold on. I got to focus. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so perfect for like yeah yeah absolutely love it i also really like uh the level 17 uh feet 10 lives uh because like i'm never gonna take this but if i would die instead uh i don't they're they're breaking the usual nine lives rule no nope, it's called 10 lives Holy crow. I like the the level one feet cat folk dance. You have the habit of always being in the way when other other creatures attempt to move. <laughs> yeah. Very cat-like. Cat, cat folk Which, are great. Oh, this is beautiful. Okay, I'm going to go make a new cat folk character. No. Yeah. You even sound like a cat right now. Uh, next up are the hobgoblins, which I am all about more hobgoblin art. And the art for the hobgoblins in here, I actually find to be really good. Um, the second to last one that's in like ornamental armor is kind of weird. I'm not sure how to feel about that <laughs> one. Uh, but the rest of them, really, really great. But gives us like reasons that hobgoblins have spread around the world. I don't know. I thought that was cool. The two new uh, heritages that they added was short shanks, uh, which is great. Uh, You have short legs and a long torso, which apparently means you can ride better because you uh, get the ride feet because of it. Gives you a strong (laughs) muscular core and lowers your center of gravity. Yeah, apparently. Uh, and then the steel skin hobgoblin, which love that. That sounds gross. Uh, the one thing that I was really surprised about for the hobgoblin, because uh, like, I love them, right? Yeah. But how was there not already a feat called sneaky? <laughs> <laughs> How is it that we are, like, almost two years into this game, and we are just now getting a sneaky? (laughs) I don't know how to feel about that. But yeah, sneaky is a level one feat for hobgoblins. I feel like uh, whenever you log into a website and somebody has your username that you already, that you usually use, somebody stole the username sneaky. All right, anyway. Uh, next up are kobolds. So we got more kobold feats, uh, a couple of uh, new heritages. 
one of the lore bits that I wanted to point out uh, that I really loved with these guys was the uh, there's a tribe called the Sewer Dragons of Absalom. And that is so great that, like, there's a group of kobolds that live in the sewers of the capital city. It's just great. <laughs> it's just great. I wasn't a huge fan of the heritages. Uh, one of them is a sleep, uh, swim speed, and one of them has to do with climbing. So, like, not a huge fan. But there's definitely some cool feats uh, in the upper levels. I would also <laughs> like to note, just art-wise, I found mm -hmm. the kobolds the on the, the cover of the bestiary adorable. And yet the art in here, for some reason, I'm like, not, not, not really adorable. More just, uh, it, it would make sense as like player character sort of thing, but not mm -hmm. adorable. I, yeah, I miss they... it now. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely see what you're saying, especially the very last one. I find that one disturbing. I was going to say that one. Yeah, it, it looks like the the proportions are all wrong. No, it definitely does. It also uh, looks like it's trying to be a superhero. A... I'm kind of confused by it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, with the cape. Uh, yeah. I just think that. There was a, a different art, uh, aesthetic choice for these, but I agree with you. I do miss um, the kind of smaller, more symmetrical, cuter ones. But I like cute. I like the one that's on page 38. Uh, that sort of ice. It's probably a white him. dragon. What? Uh, I, was, I was just agreeing. I, I think out of the four that are there, that's the best looking art. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Although the Very the cool. red one on thirty seven looks like beefy as heck. Oh yeah. Let's move on to the most adorable, Leshy. Oh my gosh, Leshies! Yeah, I knew you'd be excited. All right, they are so great. The art is so fantastic. We now have access to a cactus leshy, uh -huh. a fruit leshy, a lotus leshy, a root leshy, and a seaweed leshy. Now, they're individual abilities, in my opinion. Like, eh, I, I The mechanics That's of them are fair. meh to me. The cactus leshy, I, I love the idea of being able to hurt enemies with hugs. So Yeah, that one is good. I, I love that. Uh, beyond that, though, the other ones are, you know. But well, the fruit leshy, I think, really helps at earlier levels. Like being oh, able absolutely. to, to ha heal at an early mm -hmm. uh, at at level one is helpful. I I got around that by just being a champion using lay on hands. But fair, I fair. think having a second option would have also been great. So I agree. Yeah. Uh, I definitely, any time that I see a, you get a swim speed, meh. Yeah. <laughs> it's never, it's going to come up like once. <laughs> That's it. You have roots that make it harder to be knocked down. Ooh. See, again, I feel like those are like very b build specific. Yes. I, 
I do at times when I roll correctly enjoy the vine leshy perks to be able to climb easier. Uh, mm-hmm. I just often have troubles rolling well for that. <laughs> Which can end in oh, Chad's about to die. Chad was pawing at a wall. I was petting the darn building. <laughs> uh, did you see that there is a, a new seed pod ability? No, I didn't. There's thorned seed pod. It's a level nine feet. Uh, so when your seed pods hit, they burst into thorny vines. And they uh, do oh. piercing damage. Oh, no. Persistent oh. piercing damage. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I really liked the level one feet. There's only one level one feet, which kind of stinks, but that's fine. Uh, and it's called Ageless Spirit. And you actually remember uh, parts about your previous incarnations. So when you were a spirit. That's pretty. Yeah, I, I thought for sure Sunny would have picked that if that was available. Yeah. But uh, that was not available <laughs> at creation. So. Uh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> we, we made our characters, what, a year and a half ago? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Uh, but anyway. They were, uh, the Leshies were very good, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm going to need to stare at this Cactus Leshy for about another five minutes. So. Cute. Oh my gosh. He is pretty great. Like, he's, he's very chonky. Yes. He's a chonky boy. He I want a hug. But I mean, uh, if you hug, it'll hurt. Oh, but worse? <laughs> worse. See, I like the pangolin. I don't even know what type of leshy it is, but it's it's a succulent pangolin with a stem for a nose. Like, it's the cutest <laughs> thing. I don't know which one that is, though. I don't know either. Hmm. It's got to be the fruit. Right, because it, it just it. No, just... the fruit is the strawberry one, the one on page forty-two. Okay, I, I, I see that nose, and it makes me think pear. Oh yeah, I definitely do see that. And then the bottom one, I thought was the lotus leshy, but now I'm not sure. I think it might be the root leshy. Well, now what if the pangolin is the is the lotus leshy? I don't like it as a lotus leshy, but yeah, it doesn't read lotus. <clears throat> I don't know. I uh, think we're focusing on this leshy group for cuteness <laughs> a little much. We gotta yeah, move on. We do. We do have to move on. Uh, they're just so cute, and I don't so want to. Uh, next up, we have the lizard folk, or as. I'm really not sure why they called them the lizard folk and not the Erexi. Uh, Cause like they kind of use the terms interchangeably. And like, I'm pretty sure that if like you talk to the lizard folk, they would probably say Erexi. They'd be like, we're the lizard folk people. Makes total yeah, sense I... for them to call themselves that. <laughs> that that's funny. <laughs> 
but anyway, uh, we got two new heritages. Um, they're fine. Situational. Uh, but there's a lot of new feats, and I really like that they're uh, kind of exploring that spirituality aspect of of uh the orexi culture mm -hmm. uh so you know there's consult the stars and bone magic uh lightning tongue uh give uh guided by the stars like they're definitely kind of going into that um a lot and i really really like it there is also a feat called Tongue Disarm, and that's just gross. <laughs> yeah. It licks did... you and disarms you of your weapon. Oh my god, okay. That's better than I thought. I thought it was like a weird frog thing where they could detach their tongue. Nope. I was concerned. <laughs> it's a ranged weapon. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely hate it. <laughs> Uh, but no it, it is not that it is they lick your weapon and then you don't have a weapon anymore <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you might have to make a save to not just drop it like okay this is this is weird you just licked Bro. my sword <laughs> ew hooties I hate gross it. Well, guess I'm going to die now. <laughs> we are in a mood today. You took this to a weird place. That's fine. You, you keep the treasure. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I didn't realize this was a game of chicken, but you won. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. <sighs> Next up is Orc. And uh, the Orcs a section, again, they're really... They're trying to move away from this stereotypical, like, orc history written by other people. Mm -hmm. But they're really leading into, you know, a hunter-gatherer culture, a focus on uh, family and your tribe. And that's really, really cool. We've got three new heritages. And uh, a set of feats that I really, really love that focus on something called an orc war mask. So you create a painted face that essentially becomes a mask uh, and you channel magic through it. Um, so just base level, you get uh, the dubious knowledge skill feat, which is a great skill feat. And a plus one bonus on whatever skill you imbue your mask with. So it could be religion, nature, arcana, or occultism. So it sounds pretty that. meh to start off, but you <laughs> keep building on it. And there are a bunch of feats that just build off of it. So uh, Mask of Rejection is a, a feat you can take that's like a, a, is a trigger effect. Yeah. Mask of Pain is another triggering effect where you can do damage. Uh, Mask of Fear prevents you from being frightened. 
uh, yeah, it's it's really cool that there's a bunch that kind of build off. Let's like talk just a little bit of the art here, real quick. The of course the castering the cast uh, spellcaster one on page forty nine. Is that an owl staff? I know I'm not focusing on the ancestry itself. It looks like a bat. I, I mean, yeah, a bat is what I meant. It's so cool looking, and I kind of want Nigel is. now to get an owl staff. I'm trying to. I'm trying to look at the, at like the the feet, because I'm I mean, distracted with art. The the ears and the nose scream bat. Yeah. 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 Okay. I was trying to see. I'm if pretty it was sure like, it is bat. If it was like I, you know talons, or if it was just the, the wood wrapped around. It. Yeah, that's that's a bat. I just got. Conf- I I was thinking of man. I wish Nigel could have an owl staff. And for mm-hmm. some reason, I got the two bat and owl mixed up. I'm weird. I mean, Sebastian can just like perch on top of the staff, but there we go. And then you would have an owl staff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love it. So next up, we have the rat folk. Now, sometimes you'll hear people refer to rat folk as uh, Yoski. Yoski is from Starfinder. The uh, they're rat folk specifically on uh, a certain planet, um, but you'll see the term interchangeably either rat folk or Yoski. This one is a little more like influenced from Starfinder, um, it started be- being adopted more by the community. I really liked the Numerian Tinkerers. So in Numeria, I'm actually going to talk about it quite a bit in this episode. Um, there are a lot of rat folk actually, and the, uh, they have a little write up about it. It's cool. We've got two new heritages. And again, some really awesome feats, including the level one feat skull creeper. Yeah. You wear the skulls of your enemies to intimidate your foes. God, why? That'll do it. No! (laughs) Here's the thing, though. I, as a rat folk, I absolutely did this. I'm not even kidding me. Kidding you. Oh. Uh, I found a... I think it was a kobold or lizard folk? I can't remember now. Uh, and I killed it, and, uh wore its skull on my face for well for a very long time we'll say I can't yeah no it's super it's so great good, but no uh, and the artwork they have accompanying it is really good too yes I have enjoyed that I like the the, the feet uh, gnaw uh, which it's it's like a three action, three action action. Anyway, uh, with enough time and determination, you can chew through nearly anything. Oh my gosh! It's true. I it's so situational though, but it it is pretty great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but man, if you've got handcuffs on, well, guess I'm gonna chew through these. Just give me an hour or so. Give me six seconds. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> Next up are the Tangu. Uh, by the way, all of these 
uh, heritages that we're talking right about right now are uncommon. Um, I'll let you know when they're uh, anything other than uncommon. But the Tengu uh, are really cool. Um, there's two new heritages, one of which I think is actually really cool. Uh, the Dogtooth Tengu. Uh, the Wave Diver Tengu is just, you get a swimsuit. Um, <laughs> but the Dogtooth Tengu, <laughs> you essentially, your beak has teeth. Oh, no. <laughs> Such nightmares. Yeah, and you can you can keep God. improving it. So at fifth Uh-oh. level, you can have the dog fang bite, um, where your uh, beak unarmed attack gains the uh, versatile slashing weapon trait. Uh, also, they definitely played up again on that spirituality aspect. So you can make a Tengu feather fan. So you make a fan out of your feathers and you can cast magic through it. Oh, that's neat. I like it's that. It's super cool. And there's some future feats that you can take to improve on that too. So, But uh, that is it for our expanded heritages. Quite interesting. Most of the Tengu in here yeah. seem to have what I assume is heavy armor on. Maybe um, there's just two of them. Hmm. I would say the one that's on page 58 is um, breastplate. So that's, well. Yeah, sure no. That's medium or heavy. 57, I guess, is just robes. I thought it was more of a samurai. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, and the one on 56 is shirtless. Yeah. (laughs) That one's got no armor. Brave as heck. I mean, yeah. It's it's got tickets to the gun show, though. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard to see them, though, through all the feathers. That doesn't really work out for Tengu, I suppose. (laughs) Yeah. So next up, we have our our next second or or two-page art spread that is... Oof. So creepy. Nightmare. Very creepy. Yeah. Oh, God. Thank you, Paizo. You look at page one. It's so horrible. Look look at the first page like, oh, that's scary. There's no way that the second page could be, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I can't get any worse. I can't get... Oh, God! So, before we talk about some of the new ancestries that are in this book, uh, we do have to talk about a couple of rules that they published uh, because some of these ancestries are so freaking cool. Mm. So, one of them is a house rule, actually. So, there are two ancestries in this book that you have wings but that does not mean you fly and so there is a house rule that allows you to give your characters flight but it warns you and I am also going to warn you when you give your players the ability for flight (laughs) that's fine but it changes literally everything 
obstacles are no longer obstacles. Certain fights that would be moderately difficult are now going to be trivial. Uh, so just take that into account when you're playing. I'm not saying don't let your characters fly. Just take it into account. I'm just thinking a, a flying spellcaster. <laughs> wow, that is OP. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I mean, yeah. It's literally what we strive for. Flying ranged character at all is also just OP. Yep. A flying uh, melee next... character? Not so much. <laughs> it, oh man. A less. How, how how do you how how do you rule a flying alchemist? <laughs> just dropping bombs. They just I drop just them. Like it. Drop it. <laughs> we just say like no. You don't fly. <laughs> the rule <Yeah>. is no. <laughs> yes, I agree. You're grounded. One hundred percent. Uh next up they added a rule for riding player characters. <laughs> and that's just great. Uh and that is because they're introducing tiny PCs. And so now there are rules for tiny PCs. Okay, it all makes sense now. <laughs> So for tiny PCs that want to ride other P- other player characters, <sighs> essentially the rule is you can, but you get in the way. And so it's harder to move around. Um, but then if you decide that you're going to use a other player character as a mount, here's the rules for it. Do I have to follow this now whenever Sunny... Uh, changes into a bunch of vines and hangs on somebody. Yes, I would say absolutely, yes. Okay. I'm going to look more into these rules now. <laughs> See just what I'm doing to you guys. Uh, it just means that uh, you use you both roll initiative, but you only use the ro- the lower of the two. And you act on their turn. Awesome. So tiny PCs, uh, there's some new rules for that. You don't, things like you don't receive automatic lesser cover from being in a larger creature space. You don't, you don't have five foot reach. You have zero foot reach, which means you have to be in someone else's square in order for you to hit them. And you don't provoke adjacent squares. But uh, also bulk and stuff like that. Um, but your gear is cheaper. <laughs> well, your, your your gear is cheaper because it's so small. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I don't know if I'm ready to play a tiny character. Just I'd like, though. I'd like to buy this quiver of arrows. Oh, you mean this box of toothpicks? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> So, uh, next up, uh, we're going to talk about Android. So, this is our first rare uh, ancestry. Androids are kind of what you would expect. Uh, humanoid creatures made out of synthetic material. They do have a soul, and they can die. And not just be reduced to hit points. They can essentially 
uh, their body goes through a like a wear down process, uh, and they power off, and then their souls go to the boneyard. Uh, they are specifically from Numeria, uh, which is a a country in Galarian, but they originally came from outer space because, of course, they did. I don't know how I feel about androids in this case, just because. Pathfinder's a, a fantasy setting, not so much a sci-fi setting. Well, most of it is fantasy setting. But you hmm. have to remember, when you get to Numeria, it definitely becomes more sci-fi influenced. Because yeah. uh, 10,000 years ago in Numeria, a giant spaceship crashed, and now there's a bunch of uh, robots and stuff. A bunch and of random technology. space junk. And androids. And android factories. Ooh. Which means okay. that every town is populated with several androids. <laughs> well, no. you would think so. so, but actually, the local uh, Kellid tribes, uh, human, think human nomadic tribes, uh, beat the crap out of androids. They hated them for a really long time. Oh, no. Wow. So, humans are the worst. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the Technic League, which was a organization in Numeria, which is mostly mostly defunct now, uh, but they're kind of jerks, uh, would experiment on androids. They viewed them as property. Boo. Yep. So, we get, with androids, we get uh, five heritages, which are really cool. We get artisan, so, you know, if you want to do crafting. Uh, impersonator makes you better at deception. Uh, laborer, you get uh, trained in athletics, so essentially you lift stuff good. Uh, a polyglot android, so you're very, uh, you have multiple language proficiencies. And a warrior android, because of course. I'm not sure I like the way that they that they uh, they did these heritages because it's just kind of like you know you, you were built for this purpose you 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 were built to craft things you you're you're a communication droid you're a fighting droid so it it kind of is but because that's how they were programmed uh, but there's there is a soul, like I said. Uh, yeah. They do have individuality. This is just what their bodies are best at or what they were programmed with. Um, but that doesn't... It isn't all of who they are, obviously. Uh, Bender from Futurama was a laborer. Definitely. All right. Definitely. I am Bender. Please insert Gerder. I hate it. I'm done. I actually love it. Uh, I love that show, but every time I think about it, I cry because it's not on it. So yeah, obviously we've got a bunch of different feats. Uh, some fantastic artwork. I personally really liked the feats focusing on nanites. So in androids, nanites are... You can kind of think of it as their white blood cells. That's what's going to repair them, heal them, that kind of thing. And they can essentially take feats to upgrade those nanites. 
uh, which is fantastic. Um, you could do that to heal. You can do that to be faster, stronger, all kinds of stuff. So next up, we have our newest, or our first, uh, versatile, new versatile heritage. And these are the Aphrodites. Now, I knew absolutely nothing <laughs> about these guys when I first started reading about them. Uh, but they are, obviously, since it's a versatile heritage, it, it, it is a lineage that is born from beings of law. So we had, um, you know, Azamars, which were beings of good, uh, born from beings of good. Uh, the Tieflings, which were born of beings of evil. The Aphrodites are beings of law. But the big thing for Aphrodites is that they have free will. They are not governed by law alone. And they are born of other humanoids. So that doesn't mean that they are bound to that law. Um, kind of like what we were talking about with the androids, right? Like, they are predis predisposed to that. That is not all of who they are. They tend to have, like, metallic skin, metallic hair. They are uncommon. Um, but what was the other thing I wanted to mention? Oh, yes. So they tend to do things in threes. And I found this line very interesting. It says some Aphroites connect. Oh, no, no, no. That's something else. Sorry. Aphroites often live, love, and work in groups of three. Which tells me that you have a heritage of people who tend to be polyamorous. And that is just oh, so yeah. cool to me. That makes sense. I it does. Well. Like, doesn't it? Like, I just absolutely love that idea of, like, you have a group of people who, like, that's, that's the normal. Which, in Starfinder, there actually is a... A race like that too. There are um, three, I don't know, genders. I guess you would say in this case, um, yeah. and you have to have all three in order to reproduce. I don't know. It's very interesting to me. But this is a, a cool, versatile heritage. Again, you can apply them to any other ancestry. I would say that if you're combining two uncommon ancestries, I mean, you're already going to have to talk to your GM, but I would also say that two uncommons probably make a rare. So just be aware of that. I thought the uns would cancel each other out. That's un uncommon. <laughs> no, <laughs> not in this case. <laughs> uh, a lot of the feats focus on intelligence. Or order, obviously, um, since they are law. Like, there's one 
analyze information, um, preemptive reconfiguration, impose order. There's definitely a a theme (laughs) with them. Uh, But very cool. Artwork's cool. The the art on uh, page 77. That, yeah. that's that's a gender swapped Nigel right there. <laughs> love it. Yeah. I absolutely okay. love it. Uh it, it's it's a, a a wizard lady or sorcerer lady, probably more like a sorcerer lady. Uh in a big in a blue dress. Yeah. There's runes all over her tan skin. She has glowing blue eyes. Uh the runes, by the way, are something that are common for um these guys. Right. I oh I can never rem- I have to look at it every time I pronounce it. Uh but next up we have the Beastkin. So for the Beastkin, I did want to mention uh and actually David's gonna uh kind of talk more about uh the like historical context. I did wanna m- mention like whenever you're talking about beastkin and stuff that there's a lot of influence taken from first nations for shape-shifting when you hear the term spirit animal that kind of thing um which i'm not so versed to talk about uh so definitely do your research um if you're taking those influences but in terms of other stuff what did you find david uh so one of the probably the most familiar, not not historical, but um, you know, mythical folklore reference. And, uh, people are familiar with would be werewolves. So I, I did a little bit of research on sort of the history, uh, the origin of um, you know werewolf mythology. Uh, it it originates from pre-European peoples, so the people who were in Europe. Before it was Europe, uh, they actually they associated warriors with wolves, um, and they incorporated like the the animal itself into certain warrior initiation rites. Uh, and then I, uh, what I was reading so cool. didn't, what I was reading didn't say this, but I could imagine that, you know. Along those lines, they would also, you know, be wearing a lot of furs to stay warm. Um, but then also, you know, have the wolf head and fangs, you know, a sort of like a headdress Absolutely. thing. Um, and then, you know, you, you could imagine uh, stories of, you know, people being attacked by people dressed as wolves. Uh, and then you play a uh, ye olde phone tag for generations upon generation. And then you get the, you know, grandpa said that a, a person turned into a wolf and, it, and attacked the village or whatever. Absolutely. And there you get, you get that's how you get werewolves. Uh, but one thing I, I saw in here was that um, there, there are some similarities to how people treated, you know, werewolves to how they treated what you know what they called witches back with the witch trials, and they actually had werewolf trials. Uh, I think this was more prominent in Europe at the time, hmm. uh, at least just for my little bit of 
of research, but there were, you know, like you, you can look it up. There's, you know, noted people that were put on trial for being werewolves. I saw one where, um, I saw one where this person was actually like a serial killer and they had kind of, I don't know if they had done this purposefully, but, you know, sort of the story going around was that this person was a werewolf and went right along with killing people, obviously. Awful. Yep, not great, but interesting reads. Yeah. Uh, definitely. That, that's, my, that's my historical context there. Nice. But for the Beastkin, for, for Pathfinder, uh, these are essentially people who have gained the ability uh, to transform into an animal in some way. This could be a partial transformation, uh, like you think of with a, a weir wolf, uh, or it could be full transformation eventually, um, once you get powerful enough. Uh, but it doesn't have to be just wolves. Um, it, it can be any um, creature. It, this ability could be chosen uh, or given to you by a deity, nature, spirit, some sort of reaction of polymorph magic, fey magic, any of those could be reasons. And like I said, it could be literally any creature. Uh, Beastkin is a versatile heritage. So you would pick a ancestry and apply this heritage to it, which would give you the change shape ability. And then you can obviously make that better. Uh, you can make it faster with quick change. You can give yourself animal magic. Um, you can get a dire form uh, where you get bigger. Uh, and then eventually, at level 17, you gain full control over your shape and can transform into the animal of whatever your inherent animal. Uh, so yeah, the beast can are pretty cool. I like that's them it. a lot. Yeah, I, that's interesting. Um, you're combining that with uh, other ancestries that are, you know, already, you know, not typical humanoid. Or you have a uh, liz lizard folk that you know turns into uh, something else here. That's interesting. Yeah, that I hadn't thought about doing something like that, but you're absolutely right. A, a lizard folk with um, mammalian traits. Uh, I was, I was going to say, what, 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 what would it? What would your what would your GM take be on? Uh, I, I I want to be a lizard folk. That's a beastkin, but the beast part is a human, so it's you know it can transform into a human or whatever. <laughs> I would say that you would have human-like qualities, and that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Just weird. <laughs> Uh, you'd have like patches of of human skin. Um, you would get like human fingernails instead of claws. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
wait a second, this seems like a downgrade. (laughs) (laughs) It kind of does. You would probably get uh, anxiety. (laughs) Here's here's why humans have to offer. We are an anxious people. (laughs) You learned anxiety. (laughs) It was very effective. Oh geez. All right. Um yeah, that's probably what my take would be. <laughs> I'd have to I'd have to give that one a lot of thought. Also, I think my first question would be, but why though? <laughs> yes. Just but why though? Uh I did also need to mention beasts can are rare. So just be aware. All right, well, enough about Beastkin. Let's talk about the Fetchling. I have a really hard time saying Fetchling. I keep wanting to say Fleshling, and that's our next one. Fletching, like, I don't know, the little feathers on the end of an arrow? Anyway. That's where my brain goes. Yeah. We want to talk about Fetchlings. Fetchlings are another one of those ancestries that started off as Aslanti, but then when Earthfall happened and all of that stuff went down, instead of <coughs> excuse me, instead of you know retreating to the seas or retreating uh, to another plane, they retreated to the shadow plane and have spent you know the last thousand years evolving essentially in the shadow plane so that is where all of their abilities are going to come from uh you know it when we're talking about a a fetchling we're talking about a shadow person kind of um they're the ones who manipulate shadow and the shadow plane to their will which let's be real here super cool so uh they obviously have dark vision uh they get ability boost to dexterity all of the boring stuff. They know shadow tongue. Apparently that's a language. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, so you have five different types. You have the bright fetchling, which I find to be kind of weird, right? Like fetchling, shadow plane. Well, the bright fetchling, their whole concept is light. Uh creating shadow through light, which is kind of interesting. I don't know. Um, Then you have the deep fetchling, which gives you access to denser shadow, which is kind of cool. (laughs) Um, Limnal fetchling, uh, resolute fetchling, and a wisp fetchling. Which, that one's really cool, because you can have uh, wisp hair 
or like smoke hair, which is kind of cool. Uh, you're also smaller. So, uh, which I, I love that kind of thing. And we're going to, we're going to talk about more ancestries later that have this concept where picking your uh, heritage gives you a different size type. To me, that's really cool. Because we see that in real life, right? We see people of different size types IRL. So it's cool to see that reflected in game and not as a negative either, as a positive. Uh, I think that's... You, you get a plus one to tumble through your enemies. Yeah, this is freaking cool. Um, I did notice that under the sample names, one of them is Ashka. <laughs> oh no some of the feats that I find kind of interesting for them obviously they're all going to be uh, shadow related uh, so like you can get something called sculpt shadow uh, you coax nearby shadows into a shape of your choosing uh, so you can make a simple weapon or a simple tool which is kind of cool the level 17 fetchling uh, uh, quest. Why did I want to say quest? Uh, <laughs> feet is called Pierce the Light, which is just so cool. Coming from a World of Warcraft background, mm -hmm. where the light, right, it is a like group. And uh, you, you hear paladins talk about the light all the time. So pierce the light just sounds like uh you hate the Naru. Only like eight people listening to this is, are gonna know what I'm talking about. But to those eight people, call out. But anyway, pierce the light. Uh you tear a veil between the material plane and its shadow. You cast plane shift twice per week as an innate spell. Now, you can only target yourself, which kind of stinks, but you es essentially get plane shift. So you can travel between the material and shadow plane. Yeah, but you can only go between the material and shadow plane. You can't use it right. to go to other... I mean, in fairness, it wouldn't make much sense if you could go other places. Yeah. Do you have to cast it once to, to go to the shadow plane and then once to come back? Mm -hmm. Uh, That's, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. But you could just be like, you know what? Peace. I'm out. And you just go chill in the shadow plane for a while. Ooh, I gotta dip this scene for a while. Exactly. So, you idiots decided to go fight an ancient dragon? Peace. <laughs> nope. See you guys in a week. <laughs> or not. <laughs> Maybe in a couple days, but honestly, not so sure. <laughs> oh, jeez. But, uh, yeah. Fetchling. They're pretty cool. Next up, we have what I think are my least favorite. This is a, <laughs> another rare one. Can we just skip these ones? Uh, we can't, unfortunately. Are you sure? Uh, very sure. We have the Flesh Warp. No. And just the name of them sounds... 
disturbing. The art for these guys, holy moly. Oh, that's great. So think Frankenstein's monster. These are constructed beings. A couple episodes ago, we talked about the Drider. The Drider are flesh-warped beings. So these are aberrations. Uh, And they do have the aberration trait. Um, But yeah, these are created humanoids. Fun stuff. Nope. Uh, you get to pick how you were made, uh, so you can be created, uh, which gives you, um, saving throws, you don't have to eat, that kind of thing. Uh, you could have been mutated, shape rot, uh, which is a, uh, disease, or your transformation could have been technological in nature. So you get to pick. Hmm. Fun. Beth, did you read through the sample names for the flesh warps? They were varied. Um, I don't remember reading all of them. Borble. Oh no, it was the androids that was like Aaron Five. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, the sample names for flesh warp. I do like Borble. Borble. I like Dag. Dag, I like, yo. I like Wumpin. <laughs> <laughs> Wampin's pretty good. Uh, yeah, I think Dag is probably my favorite. Uh, those are pretty great. So oh, yeah, as you old can... Minnie Mouse. Mm, mm-hmm. Love it. As you can suspect, the uh, feats all have to do with your appearance or, you know, abilities that you have because of how your flesh is. The first level feat I really like is startling appearance. Uh, you can intimidate <laughs> people because of how you look. Really? I think they should just get that. <laughs> yes. I agree with you. <laughs> I also wanted to point out the uh, last piece of art for the Flesh Warp on page 93. It just has faces all over his <laughs> chest, and it's Horrible. very disturbing. Also, I misread the level uh, 13 feet. It is spew tentacles. I definitely put an S in there. I'm trying to figure out where you put an S in there. Testicles. <laughs> oh. oh. Right. Okay. Now I got it. We'll, we'll cut that out. But yeah, I, I first read that as spew testicles, and that's upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like seed pod. <laughs> uh, it just keeps getting worse. Yeah, you, you're not oh. wrong. It's, it is like seed pod. Oh. All right. uh, I'm I'm gonna say that uh, this this last artwork with the twelve faces, that one's borble. <laughs> <laughs> but the the one on the page before it, uh, like the the angry little. Dwarf, gnome, yeah. gnome something. Uh, that's a- I would say halfling. Halfling. That, that's yeah, womp- that's that's wumping. That's wumping. Also, wumping will kick your butt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's wumping. Also, I think that one that you were saying before, though, I think that's many mouth. Many mouth. Yeah, I hate it. I don't like it. All right. Anyway, so next up we have the Gonzi. 
So we already talked about the Afroites, which were uh, beings of law. The Ganzi are beings of chaos. And what that means is they can look like just about anything. They typically look like whatever humanoid creature for the most part. And then they have some sort of, of extreme feature um, that appears during puberty. Uh, but yeah, these are creatures that have been born with chaos uh, somewhere in their bloodline. Um, and this is a versatile heritage. Um, all of the feats have to be do with sort of how your chaos has spawned. So, uh, or, or shown itself. So you have, you know, do you have an intense gaze? Do you have vestigial wings? Do you have a smashing tail? Uh, those kinds of things. Uh, and then sort of build from there. Um, there's a couple that are more, like, there's one for crafting, there's uh, irreprehensible that when you roll a success on certain saves, it turns into a critical success, but I think the more interesting ones are the ones that are for the physical features. I like the one for uh, an Anarchic Arcana. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you roll a d12, and then that governs what level two spell you get to cast that day. Nice. <laughs> Chaos magic. That's beautiful. Um, I love the artwork. Sorry again. On page ninety six. Of the goblin transitioning from a typical Paizo goblin to what appears to be a Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild goblin. <laughs> like, very much. What is going on there? What, what feat would cause this, Beth? I don't know. <laughs> it's just how they were born. Okay. Well, I love it. So next up, we have a five-for-one special. <laughs> we have the Geniekin. We're going to talk about uh, five different types of Geniekin. Uh, but before we get into that, this is another one that definitely comes from uh, Arabic like mythology. And we kind of wanted to talk about that a little bit. So um, David did some, some research. Okay. Uh, so Beth and I had both done some research. Um, True. And I had found that like the the term genie or jinn or jinni comes from uh, Arabic and Islamic cultures. And uh, they are similar to spirits, angels, or demons. Um, or uh, what, what I've seen them commonly like portrayed as like a demigod type character um but at least the the stuff that i was reading 
didn't have it quite as tightly associated with the elements, like the four um, alchemical elements, like they are in uh, Pathfinder. Um, and then, uh, and then, and I think the better example of that is uh, an elemental, which then brings me back to um, like Western European folklore and mythology about um, you know spirits that have uh, control over air, water, earth, and fire, um, and. Uh, it, it it seems like maybe that uh, Paizo had taken uh, bits of inspiration here and there, or maybe they just read other sources that I didn't. Um, but s- some of the uh, the names um, corresponded to what I read out of the European like folklore that I was reading out of it. Some of it corresponded to um, Arabic and Islamic folklore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's um, mostly what I found too. Yeah. Was that the jinn are described as a smokeless fire or beings of all four elements created by God, and uh, that was kind of interesting to read yeah. about. Yeah. Uh, well, one one thing I I saw that was interesting was that the um, some of the European folklore the Earth elementals were actually called gnomes, and that name was already taken. <laughs> so let's get back to Pathfinder. We have five types of genie kin currently uh, available. So we have the elemental types: Ifrit for fire, Oread for earth, Sylph for air, and Udine, Un- Undine for water. So their feats, again, this is a versatile heritage, so you get to pick your base ancestry. And then all of their feats have to do with their element in some fashion. Uh, But then you'll notice I said the fifth, and that is Suli. So Suli are genie kin that are descended from Jan specifically. So specific genies that walked the earth as mortals essentially uh they typically have like two opposing elements or all four elements abilities from each versus specifically one uh and then there are some feats that are just gene uh genie kin specific and so anybody can take them. So that's why there's kind of one section and then five little subsections. So if you're an Afrit, you can take whatever your base ancestry is. You can take any of those feats. Whatever Afrit feats there are. But then also any uh, genie ken feats as well. So honestly, lots of options for these five elemental boys. Mm-hmm. Next up, we have the Kitsune. Uh, also, you'll hear it pronounced a lot of different ways. Kitsune is what I've always called. Um, K- 
Ketsun. What was the one you were talking about, Chad? I heard Ketsween. Ketsween. These are creatures from mythology, um, from, so historical context, from uh, Japanese shapeshifters or some Japanese spirits, heavily influenced by um, that culture, um, Japanese stories, things like that. Uh, In terms of Pathfinder, um, they have been described as having three forms. uh, And it's really cool kind of how Pathfinder dealt with that, that different kitsune get a different secondary form. So their base form is always a fox-human hybrid. And then depending on what heritage you pick, you either get a human form or you get a fox form, which is super cool. Uh, The other kind of unique thing about Kitsune is that whenever you gain a level, you can choose to grow an additional tail. So your maximum level uh, number of tails that you can have is equal to the highest level spell you can cast. So as you gain more magical power, you gain more tails, which fits in with the uh, Kitsune myth mm-hmm. of the nine-tailed fox. Isn't that cool? I love it. I, I definitely love it. Like it, it makes me very, very happy. What so many tails? And now, is that like a a feat? And it's like you Mm-mm. have to. Okay. No, it is just something you get as Kitsune. Okay. When uh, it is under the feed section, which is kind of weird. Um, but yeah, it says just when you gain a level, you can grow one or more tails. It, you get to choose. Uh, and it's... You also get to uh, pick... I said your spell level, like uh, highest level spell. Uh, it also takes into account Kitsune ancestry feats. So if you have four ancestry feats, you can have up to five tails. So it's two different ways. It's not just magical fox. I guess. But yeah, there's a lot of really cool abilities uh, that the Kitsune get. This is another one I think they just went full ham on. Um, you can have Foxfire. You can have a Star Orb that <laughs> a- acts as a familiar. You can cho- choose to get all three forms at fifth level. Um, so whatever form you were missing from your heritage, you can then pick up. Um, and then at level 17, you get a rampaging form where you essentially turn into a giant firefox. Oh. So, yeah. Oh, man. Um, the level 13 feet killing stone. Yeah. Your star orb, uh, which is normally just this floating familiar that doesn't do much. Yeah. Uh, it's hiding a deadly miasma. <laughs> You can you can cast cloud kill, which is just chemical warfare. Yeah, 
beautiful and wonderful. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> so, uh, next up is probably the... I'm going to have to say the most unique ancestry in this book. And that is sprites. So, bit of a history lesson. A few episodes back, we were doing monsters, right? And you remember me talking about the Fae coming from the first world. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, these are Fae who have come back over into our plane of reality but have stayed here for multiple generations. So they're from First World, but they have stayed here uh, for a long time. Essentially, what this does is uh, many of them are called the wingless. So they don't have the same abilities that other fey have. So our sort of, I think, the most interesting is probably the pixie, um, where you instead of tiny, you get to be small. Uh, the grig, which is on the cover, uh, which is uh, you're a cricket uh, centaur. It's interesting. Greg did make it. <laughs> Good old Greg. There's some ways that you can fly that you can get wings um to actually work um at first level you can pretty much just flutter to get to like a higher space but that's about it however the sprites get one feat that we literally have to talk about for at least two minutes uh we are legally obligated oh and that is a corgi mount God. Wait, 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 wait. You're telling me they can ride yes. on those adorable little Yes. You have formed You have found formed a magical connection with a corgi that can serve as your mount. Your corgi familiar is small rather than tiny, and it's appropriate for use as your mount, unlike most familiars. It has the scent ability. Oh, it's so cute. Uh, and if you're a pixie, you can't ride a corgi because you're small. But you can take it as a familiar. But yeah, you get a corgi familiar. It's not just your mount. Like, you get all the benefits of it being your familiar. Anyway, I love it. Mm-hmm. And corgis are the best. Also, if you didn't know, look up about fairy saddles. The tricolored corgis have that black patch on their back, which are called fairy saddles. And that's where this myth comes from, supposedly, is that fairies would ride corgi mounts, and they're adorable and wonderful. Uh, and uh, I'm pretty sure you can also hit up Etsy, and someone out there will make you a fairy saddle for your corgi. Oh, yeah, that's definitely well better. Oh, I miss my corgi so much. Anyway, there's a lot of really cool interesting unique feats and also the artwork on page 131 is literally the prettiest thing in the book so gorgeous like i i absolutely adore it it's so good 
new wallpaper. It's happening. Uh, so yeah, the sprites are pretty great. Uh, I will say they are rare though, um, which makes sense. Um, you wouldn't want to have rare. an entire party composed of sprites. Maybe on, you man. never know. That could be an interesting game. A one shot, at least. Oh yeah, definitely. What 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 is a sprite palette? <laughs> I would love to find out, honestly. Uh, they wield the toothpick. Better yet, uh, a stick of destiny. Better yet, a sprite barbarian. <laughs> oh yeah, yes, I do love that. Just these tiny squeaking screams. What is happening? <laughs> uh, so last and possibly least. Yeah. is the Strix or Itari um, depending on who you ask not excited uh, these are I, I'm not a huge fan um, not as bad as the Flesh Warp though so I, I would rate the Strix yeah, above would, the yeah. Flesh Warp uh, but the Strix are bird like humans humanoids and my problem is that you can't fly actually, until level 13 or 15, something like that. I'll look it up here in a second. Uh, But So you get an ability, like you get wings, right? And when you jump, you don't take penalty stuff. That's your base ability. I've got full wings. I want to fly. Thank you. Please and thank you. Now, we've already kind of talked about why they don't want player characters to fly, because it really messes up encounters and stuff. But man, I want it so bad. Technically, it looks like you can get juvenile flight at level 9, which would allow Correct. you to fly for like 10 minutes. Right, and then it's the next level up from that that allows you to just uh, fully fly on. Yeah, juvenile, 13. Yeah, level 13. Uh, and they look great. I did think it was very interesting that they can't move their eyes. Um, so they have to turn their heads like birds. Hmm. Uh, can that is can birds not move their eyes? Um, not, not a lot. They don't have what is it? Peripheral vision? No. Yeah, th- their eyes—they're always focused out the the side of their head. Well, okay. it depends on which birds. Predatory birds—they have cone vision, so it's right up front. Whereas. Uh, non-predator bir- prey birds, uh, their eyes are always to the side so that they can look, keep an eye out for predators. Uh, so I'm like putting pigeons. a disclaimer out there right now. We are not birdologists. We don't know about birds. This is a Pathfinder podcast. And no, we barely but I do know like animals. That. So I, I do look into these things. <laughs> I'm just uh, saying, I don't want somebody coming at me on Twitter being like, you said this about birds. I'm like, I don't know birds. I am a so, bird doctor. <laughs> so I am not see, a bird doctor. Whenever you see a bird out on your yard looking for like worms in the ground, and they're doing this weird thing where they have their heads sideways to the ground, it's not because they're stupid. <laughs> it's because they are looking with their eye on the side of their head down a hole to search for a worm. So you you mean I've been out there 
just yelling, oh, you dumb birds, why don't you, you just look properly? Stupid bird. Why don't and, you just look down? And now I'm the fool? Yes. <laughs> all I know is the birds work for the bourgeoisie. That's all I know. <laughs> the birds aren't even real, though, guys. It's all a conspiracy. Oh, man. Right, they all died. And then we're replaced by robots. All right, anyway, we've got Scavenger, uh, Strix, so you get bonuses to your survival, uh, Night Glider, where you get Dark Vision, Predator, which means you can make Talon attacks, which is great. Those ones have Uh, eyes on the front of their head, so they can just look forward. Exactly. Uh, Shoreline, which makes you water repellent. Okay. Uh, and then my personal favorite is Songbird. Uh, because the Strix have a very oral history. And their uh, storytellers are uh, very important to, the, to them and their culture. Uh, so I really love the idea of a Songbird Strix being a bard. Uh, you get... Uh, circumstance bonus on deception impersonate or deception checks to impersonate and that increases when you're a master of deception uh, and you get circumstance bonus to perform as well so yeah I love that um, That I think that is my favorite of all of them no that's not true because there's also the feat that allows you to step twice it's uh, called wing step with a sharp flap of your mm-hmm. wings you uh, step twice, you move five feet instead of, or ten feet instead of five. I like that one. But. Anywho, that does bring us to the end. What, uh, oh, well, I did want to mention, we didn't go over them, but there are a bunch of weapons at the end that are specific to ancestries. And I did notice they had a couple of uh, things in here that are specific to the um, there are a couple of ancestries from the Mwangi Expanse. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a note in there, yeah. The Griplies and the Kunrasus. And I know the Griplies are like frogs, but yeah. I don't know what the Kunrasus are. Which weapon is that? For which, for which one? The Kunrasi? Uh... One of them is the 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 boo the boo gang, boo gang. Mm-hmm. And there, there's some cobalt weapons in there too, geniekin weapons. So the the Kanrasu is not an ancestry that we have access to yet. Interesting. And then the I don't think we have access to the Gripley yet either. No. Those are just monsters at this point. So, interesting. Um, So those are weapons that you would essentially have to either take a feat to to do. So, well, the Rungu has the martial trait. So as long as you're proficient in martial weapons, you're fine. But yeah, interesting that they put those two in there. You're right. Um, But yeah, there's also the Wish Knife that's pretty cool of uh, I mm-hmm. definitely recommend going and checking that one out. Overall, uh, this book is pretty good. Uh, a lot of lore was jam-packed in. Uh, and 
like I'm pretty happy with it. Good read. Yeah, the art is very good. And sometimes I think it's too good, as in (laughs) it disturbed me. Ah, flesh warpers, yeah. Mm -hmm. I agree. Take that out. That section didn't need art. Agreed. I I have nightmares. Uh, 100% agree. All right, well, Chad, you want to take us on out? So, this was our impression of the new Ancestry options. What do you think about the new options? And what, more importantly, what characters are you going to be killing off so that you can roll up a new one? Do you have any other questions about, let's say, I don't know, Corgi mounts? Trust me, we want to know all about it. But for now, we'll talk to you all next time. And remember, dice don't die. But player characters do. Thanks for listening to Dice Don't Die. Hey, if you like what we do, please visit us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Dice Don't Die, or email us at dicedontdiepod at gmail.com. The intro and outro song, Crunk Night, were created by Kevin McLeod. More of his work, and the work of many others, can be found royalty-free at filmmusic.io. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on the next adventure.